everyone. Welcome to our Drink a Book podcast, where we drink wine and talk about books. This is Lauren. Lynn. I'm Lee. It's Marie. And this is Joe. delicious pizza and salad and this amazing cake peanut butter crock pot thing that joe made with ice cream that was it was so good (laughs) we have lots of themed shirts on i have my i don't eat my friends shirt my (laughs) (laughs) lovely vegetarian shirt that a friend got me for christmas in honor of our book that we're reading this time so it has pictures of, like, a cow and a pig and a chicken on it. It says, <laughs> I don't eat my friends. <laughs> I love it. Super cute. I'm just wearing a feminist shirt because I feel like it always applies. It does always apply. I've got my cat reading a book shirt on, which is one of my favorites. Again, so good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing a Hufflepuff sweatshirt. Love it. Um, I have a Hot Fuzz t-shirt on. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so this month, our book genre is self-help, which was picked by Marie, because when we're recording this, it's January. We don't know when this is going to come to your ears, <laughs> but it's currently January. We just had the new year, so Marie thought it would be good to do self-help to kind of think about goals for the new year. And my book got picked, which was Give a Shit, Do Good, Live Better, Save the Planet by Ashley Piper. Okay, so I'm going to read the back of the book for just a little refresher on what this is about. It says, Give a Shit guides you through the transition to a kinder, healthier, more conscious, and sustainable life like no book has done before. With humor and without judgment, savvy, eco-friendly lifestyle expert Ashley Piper walks you through easy but impactful shifts you can make. In your home, tactics for a comfy, minimalist, sustainable living space. In the kitchen, 20-plus super simple, crazy delicious plant-based recipes. In your closet, tips for a polished ethical wardrobe in a world of fast fashion. In the mirror, guidance on cruelty-free, natural, effective-as-hell beauty and grooming. In the wild, advice for maintaining your values and your sanity no matter what life throws at you. If you haven't read the book yet, we're about to talk about a lot of things in it. If you want to wait until you read it to listen to this point, this would be a good pause spot. Okay, so on Goodreads, our rating is a 4.26, which you guys know that we love high-rated books, (laughs) so we definitely... (laughs) Kept that in mind as we were selecting this book. I have a five-star Goodreads review from Alicia. She says, almost a year after reading Give a Shit, and I'm still recommending it to everyone and anyone who asks me how I'm trying to lower my environmental footprint. Ashley writes candidly, approachably, and hilariously about how to make small or big changes to every part of your life. This is the ultimate handbook for making environmental change without judgment. I love that she's an intersectional environmentalist, too. I had never considered topics like how fast fashion exploits women of color, global warming will inevitably hurt marginalized communities the worst, and slaughterhouses are typically employing new migrant and refugee communities. Consider my mind blown. Mm, That's a good review. Yeah. There were one-star ratings, but no one-star reviews, so I'm going to read one of the two-star reviews. Um, This is from Anna, and she says... I find myself torn on this book because, on the one hand, the book is written in an entertaining way and, for the most part, seems factual. On the other hand, it's both endorsed by the president of PETA and PETA is cited at least once in the footnotes. Both personally and as a librarian, I can't in good conscience give more than two stars to a book that cites from a group that uses misinformation campaigns to attempt to get their point across. Can we say fake news here? Is that officially allowed with PETA? Add a not-so-subtle touch snobbery, and you get a book that exemplifies why the internet dislikes vegans. Two out of ten, read at your own risk, unless getting up on your high horse on this topic is definitely your thing. 
Yikes. Okay, I would like to point out to Anna that two out of ten is, in fact, a one out of five star (laughs) review. So I think you need to revise your star rating because you calculated wrong. Just saying. But I don't think I know much about PETA and, like, any controversy about them being, quote, fake news or whatever. I guess I'm not familiar with that either. I don't know much about PETA. I don't really yeah. know I what she's read referring some to. Things on like Reddit, but that's also with like a grain of salt. Like, is mm-hmm. this true? Is this yeah. just like people being shysty about something? Yeah. So I, I really don't know enough about it to say whether or not she's, you know, being truthful or, I don't know. I'm you may have, have to, to add that to my list. <laughs> yeah, to do I was going to say we have to yes. research that. Get yeah. back to it. Well, it's kind of weird that she said it's mostly factual, and then she yeah. made a comment about fake news. Like, how do those fit in right. the same? And if she's thing. saying it was in the footnotes at least once, did, how many times was it, was it in the footnotes? She didn't really give a solid. I mean, I didn't go back and count, but was it only a couple times? Was it all of her data? Like, that doesn't seem like super valid if it was only a couple times right. that she's so yeah she's she definitely a has a lot yeah. more sources than PETA so yeah. the book I noticed on Goodreads only has 463 ratings total which really isn't that many and only 67 actual reviews so I feel like this book hasn't really gotten that much buzz around no. it I guess it's from 2018 so that might be why because it's relatively new but The author, Ashley Piper, she used to be a political strategist and then from there kind of transitioned into her vegan and eco-friendly lifestyle. Um, She's been featured in a bunch of kind of notable media sources like Glamour, Refinery29, Mind Body Green, and I know she's been on a bunch of different shows and like she's done a lot of interviews and stuff. She also is a brand strategist and influencer for a lot of ethical and innovative modern companies, which I thought was really interesting. Like some of her clients are Lush, Eileen Fisher, Airbnb, Nissan, the Humane Society. Hmm. I just thought that was really cool that she's working with all those companies on like, I'm I'm assuming on how to be more sustainable and Mm eco-friendly, but yeah, yeah, that's really that's cool. cool. I've been looking her up on Instagram, and I'm really loving her Instagram page. She shares, like, lots of good tips on how to be more sustainable and eco-friendly. Mm-hmm. So. And I think overall we all do – it's one of our focuses all the time of just how can we be more sustainable, what can we do. And obviously this book, at least for me, really pushed me into thinking – Overthinking a little bit more. Oh, yeah. How I can be more sustainable. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if maybe, like, I kind of gave it away in my reaction to the two-star review, but (laughs) I loved this book, and I think Ashley Piper is awesome. So I immediately was hooked just from her writing style at the very beginning. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, I want to be her best friend. Like, she seems so awesome. I know. She's, like, really funny and relatable, and her writing style is, like, witty, and Mm -hmm. it was a fun read, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I got through it really quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. As soon as I started reading it, um, when I had talked to Lee and Lynn about it, and none of us had started, and as soon as I started reading, I texted them, like, hey, I started, and you're going to love this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's really common for people our age to be already, like Marie said, conscious about this kind of thing. And I already have somewhat of an eco-friendly lifestyle. Like I'm a vegetarian, I compost, I try to be recycling and creating minimal amounts of waste. So this definitely was my cup of tea and up my alley, I guess you could see. So I guess you could say. So I definitely agreed with everything she said and I got tons of new ideas of things I couldn't believe how many things she talked about that I didn't know like I thought I was relatively informed on like how to care for the environment better and all that kind of stuff but I was surprised very often while I was reading yeah she did have a lot of really good like practical tips that I hadn't already thought of so I thought that was really good 
I liked it too. I don't always love self-help books and I felt like here I liked that she made comments frequently that you know it's okay if you don't immediately adopt this lifestyle and just kind of gave tips on how to get started or things you could do just little things and then gave ideas of like big things too and that made me feel good like oh immediately I can do some of these things and I can work my way up to doing mm -hmm. more so I liked that about it too. Yeah. yeah I agree like from the very beginning she was talking about how this kind of lifestyle doesn't require absolute perfection. And if you're not doing everything she recommends, like that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. I thought mm -hmm. that was a really good way to like approach the topic. Because mm -hmm. then you're not like feeling guilty if you're not doing everything she right. says. Mm -hmm. I think that it definitely validates any forms of sustainability that you anyone has been practicing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what level that you might be right. at, whether you're a vegetarian, whether you're a vegan, whether you eat meat, or whether you're just mm -hmm. using reusable bags when you go yeah. to the grocery store. I think that no matter what level you're at, it is pushing you towards sustainability, mm -hmm. even just a little bit, or just changing your thinking or getting yourself thinking about mm -hmm. being sustainable. Right. Maybe you don't do anything that is sustainable, and this is that one step forward. I wasn't sure how... I wanted to get your opinions on it. I wasn't sure how other people would feel reading it if they, like you're saying, if they weren't already doing much of anything to be sustainable or eco-friendly. Do I feel like I loved this book and it's super practical because I was kind of already on that path? Mm -hmm. Like, is it different for people who maybe aren't on that path? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that there's definitely another perspective to look at when you're looking at this book. I think that it could, if you're putting someone... If you're putting yourself into someone's shoes that might not be sustainable at all, mm -hmm. it might make them feel really bad about themselves, mm -hmm. you know? Oh my goodness, these there's a lot of people in our world that are doing so many things to help our environment, and I'm doing nothing. I'm doing absolutely nothing, but maybe that can be their way of being proactive. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking through the reviews before this, and it seemed like most of the people who were critical of the book were the most critical about the part for In the Kitchen, where she talks about veganism and how, like, basically going vegan is, like, the best thing you can do for the environment. And none of us here are vegan, but Lynn and I are vegetarian. But I think that, at least from what I gleaned from those reviews, it seemed like maybe they kind of were defensive about that mm -hmm. because I think maybe some people weren't expecting veganism to be a big part of this book and then they kind of felt like defensive that yeah. she talked about that a lot because a lot of people just don't like have plans to eat less meat and, and they, they don't, don't want to hear yeah they don't want to hear issues. that 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 is a way to help the environment so yeah I was thinking about also the large group of people in this country that are climate change deniers and that kind of thing. Like mm. I could see that being a controversy with this book, depending on what your just fundamental political beliefs are yeah. and things like that, you know? Yeah. I'm thinking probably most of the people who read this book are already like pretty liberal True. and like yeah. wanting <clears throat> to be eco-friendly. Mm -hmm. I, pr I feel like climate change deniers probably would not pick up this book, but I'm sure even if they saw the title, they would probably be, like, rolling their eyes and disagreeing <laughs> with it, you know? Yeah. Did anybody get any, like, really good tips from the book that you're now planning to incorporate in your life? Absolutely. Yes. yes. <laughs> Too many. I'm I have a big <laughs> list yeah. of my notes up on my phone. <laughs> Same here. Okay, so tell me what your tips are because... I feel like I went through it really fast, mm -hmm. and I did get a lot of ideas, but I wanted to hear what other people's ideas were in case I, like, missed something. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to know all the things. <laughs> yes. I first realized I do not have anywhere near enough plants in my house, but also I am not good at taking care of plants. I only have succulents right now, and half of them are dying as well. <laughs> So I feel like I want to get some plants and try to be a good plant mom. That's my first thing I'm going to try to That's do, I think. That's a good one. Yeah. 
I'm obsessed with plants, and I got really excited that she talked about plants, Mm -hmm. but I'm not that good at caring for them either. I try to get, like, the easy ones. I don't have any of the ones she mentioned. I have the ones that are basically impossible to kill. (laughs) I need that list from you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your birthday's coming up, so... (laughs) You're going to get a house full of plants. (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) I liked a lot of her recipes for, I want to start making more of my own household cleaners and stuff like that. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Even for my cat, I want to maybe try some of the flea and tick, like using essential oils Mm -hmm. or something like that, Mm -hmm. instead of getting the chemical heavy, expensive shit off, you know, at the vet or off the (laughs) internet. I really liked all her suggestions for pets. Yeah. Some of this stuff, like, concern me a little bit, though, because I, like, some essential oils aren't good for kids. Yeah, that is true. That's true. So I feel like you have to be very cautious if you have mm-hmm. pets of what you're using or... Yeah, that's yeah. true. And I I have done some research on it before because I use essential oils in my house, and a lot of what you find online is really inconclusive and conflicting, and, like, mm-hmm. some people will say lavender or whatever is safe for cats and then other people say it's not maybe not lavender specifically but like Mm -hmm. certain ones on one place it'll say they're safe and on another it says they're not Mm -hmm. so that is concerning for me too with cats like I don't want to accidentally use something that's toxic yeah Yeah, true right Mm -hmm. it's very confusing yeah yeah what's true and what's fake news as animals yeah (laughs) I want to try making my own dry shampoo, too, after this, because I love some dry shampoo. And so I like how she also gave suggestions on how to make it for dark hair, too. Yeah. Yeah, That was cool. cool. It's so simple. Like, why did I not think of this? I'm just imagining, like, it being the summer and, like, bees are just, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, with cocoa powder in it or something. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Is that likely to happen? Maybe. Or would we smell, like, does it smell like chocolate? Would my hair smell like chocolate? Or does cocoa powder smell like... I think it's pretty subtle. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Would it be different than, like, my current dry shampoo has a fruity smell? Is that right? I don't don't know, know. but it's not, like, natural. I I wouldn't complain about my hair smelling like chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Will my hair smell like chocolate? Maybe. Keep us posted on that. (laughs) Some of her tips, or the things that she said, kind of, like blew my mind a little bit like I remember something she said about you can strategically plant trees yeah like if you own a home and Mm. if you have a yard you can plant certain kinds of trees like in a certain direction from your house and it can like reduce your air conditioning and heating Mm. which I thought was so cool and I know that's not doable for everyone especially if you don't own a home with like a yard but I feel like the next time I move, which will probably be in the next couple years, mm-hmm. I want to see if I can do that. Same. And even just simple things like she said to collect rainwater yeah. to use to water your plants. I was just like, oh my God, I had never yes. thought of something like either. that. But that's so easy. Mm-hmm. I even saw something. Now I can't remember if it was in the book or if it was something I was looking up after because I went down the rabbit hole of doing all <laughs> kinds of research and stuff while I was reading the book. But someone was even saying you can put a bucket in your shower I and collect that. the water. Oh. oh my gosh! Why did I never think of yeah. that? Yeah, and then That's so you can cool. use it on your plants or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or you can use it to flush your toilet too. They said. That's so oh. smart. Yeah. yeah. And then speaking of moving, she said something about how you can use like rentable mm-hmm. box services for that. moving oh, yeah. or you can use tub reusable tubs with lids instead of oh, using yeah, like really all these boxes with tape and stuff you can <laughs> rent them I don't know how expensive that is or how available those are but I think that is something I definitely want to look into when I move especially if they're clear because then you can yeah. see what's yeah. in there too. that's so true that so nice. that, that's the worst part about these boxes yeah. when you're moving <laughs> And then you're not worried about them, like, the tape coming undone or something like that. I'm also trying to switch to a lot of reusable, like, instead of um, Ziploc bags, like, Mm -hmm. reusable bags, which Lynn had kind of already gotten me doing that before. But I also just ordered these linen napkins off Etsy, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to, like... 
not really use paper towels or napkins or anything, mm-hmm. too. I'm trying to figure out the tissue situation, though, because yeah. I use a lot of tissues. Yeah. And I tried Thank ordering. Q-tips yeah, tips I use a lot of. Yeah. I tried ordering these handkerchiefs, but I didn't really like them. So that's yeah. something I still need to figure out. Yeah. That would definitely take some getting used to, I feel yeah. like. That's mm-hmm. a little Yeah, I feel like different. those tips are a little overwhelming for me. I was like, paper towels? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My guess, cat throws up. Like, I don't want to yeah. use... I don't know. It just kind of grossed me out. Like, yeah. It's like, kind of like using cloth diapers on babies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's kind of a gross... But if you want, like, I've been doing that. I bought these, like, bamboo paper towels that you can wash. I just throw them in the wash with my towels on hot. And, I mean, it maybe is a little gross if you think about it too much, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not not really that different than when you use a towel. That's true. I don't know. I kind of want to get a bidet, too, after reading her book instead of (laughs) using all the toilet paper. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, what I felt like with the handkerchiefs and stuff like that, an easy thing to do is just to get recycled paper towels yeah, and that's toilet true. paper, even if you don't want to go completely without them. Right. At least a lot of brands now are making ones that are from recycled paper, and then a lot of them even come... Because a lot of that stuff I order online just because it's easier, and you can get them in like more bulk you know, mm-hmm. packages mm-hmm. from online sources. But there's a lot of them, too, that will come without any plastic, which I like, that you can get them, you know, because even when you go to the grocery store, all the tissue paper, or I mean, tissue options are in plastic wrapping. Mm -hmm. Like, even that is just something that you can prevent depending on how you purchase them. I wondered what she meant about when she said, when you're putting stuff in the oven, skip the preheat. What does that mean? I didn't just get don't, that either. Yeah, put my stuff in right does, away. I think she means do put it in right away and don't preheat the oven. But doesn't that mess with like the cooking time? Like, That's isn't what the I preheat thought. there for a reason? Because it's warm at that point. So yeah, then, I guess. Like, I, I'm not a You'd good You probably have to, to like, like no. yeah, figure yeah. out like how that would work for your recipe. I don't I'm really sure know enough about it. About it, I could look up. But I was just confused. I didn't really know what she meant yeah. by that. Right, because I find that when I make things in the oven, a lot of times it doesn't turn out perfect even when I have it preheated. Yeah, right. So That's how true. would it affect it if it's not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet we could find stuff online, though, if we looked it up. So Lee and I are thinking maybe from this book we're going to try, at least at home, to transition into veganism. Ooh. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, right now, we're both vegetarian, and we've talked about before, like, feeling guilty about mm-hmm. still eating cheese, and she talks about this in the book, but, like, even though technically the animals don't have to die to produce cheese, like, there's still so many problems with yeah. the factory farms, yeah. and then they end up killing them anyway, yeah. and it's just, like... And they're being treated so poorly. Yeah, and the workers are being yes. treated. Like, she talked yeah. a lot about the workers at slaughterhouses, and it's just terrible. Mm-hmm. My gosh, but, I had to pause, like, three times in that section. Yeah. Like, I felt like yeah. it was gonna have yeah. a problem. Yeah. Because it's horrible. It it's is. just awful. Yeah. And that's why we became vegetarian in the first place. And I think all along I've known that ultimately I was going to, for my own, like, personal conscience, I was going to have to become a vegan. And I've already switched a lot of my beauty products and healthcare and stuff like that. But... The dairy, the dairy man. The cheese is the hardest part. And I think, too, because of where we live, like, we live in the Midwest. It might be easier if we lived in California or something, but there's not a lot of vegan options here. Like, I think I would have to just go vegan at home, but I would have to be Mm -hmm. flexible when I go out. Because a lot of places around here, if you go out to a restaurant, there's literally nothing vegan on the menu. Mm -hmm. Even the salads. The salads, yeah. Like, the salads have bacon, or, like, they only have a Caesar salad, and the dressing, Caesar salad dressing is not vegetarian, traditionally. There's anchovies in it. So, it's just, like, all these little things make it really mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. And, like, when we have book club, we usually eat pizza. Like, yeah. I don't want to have to turn down things like that when I go yeah. out with my friends. But then, at the same time, I'm like, well, but what about the animals yeah. and the workers? And like, the environment. Yeah. 
So I, I think, just feel conflicted about it. Yeah. I think, like, I'm going to just try not to beat myself up about yeah. it if I'm out somewhere and I am having non-vegan food or whatever. But at home, I'm going to try as much as I can to transition all my stuff. Yeah. And I feel like that's the point. Like, yeah. why do you have to just label yourself? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? As long as you're yeah. trying your best. True. Yeah. Like, and even... And out the most that you can when you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, even for people who eat meat, if they read this book and they were like, well, I definitely can't go vegetarian, even if you do, like, meatless Mondays or, like, Mm -hmm. try to eat one meal without meat or whatever, you're Mm -hmm. still making a difference. Yeah. 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 I was just talking about that an hour or so ago from this book, but a little bit of what I was doing before. um, My roommates, they both decided to be vegetarians, and living with vegetarians, it kind of changes your outlook Mm -hmm. and thinking and lifestyle a little bit, you know. There were multiple meals that we would make together, grocery shopping together, stuff like that. Now, we weren't able to do that. And for me, I think someone who eats meat trying to go on that vegetarian route, it's really just a learning curve of what what does my menu look like? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do I need to eat? How can Mm -hmm. I make sure that I'm eating enough protein and I'm not eating bad food? you know? Yeah. And trying to shift your diet is a huge challenge. Did it for about three weeks. I was a vegetarian for three weeks. (laughs) Thank you. But then just like what you guys are saying, I went to a restaurant and I was at an Italian restaurant and one of my favorite meals is chicken parmesan. And I was sitting there conflicted and I'm like, I can't just not eat chicken parmesan. That's my favorite meal, you know? And I started thinking about that. But then, you know, just like what we were just talking about, that just being cautious of I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. I'm trying the best I can. And I think eventually I will start to phase myself into vegetarian. I just need to feel a little more confident on this. These are my options. These are my choices. This is what my weekly meal can Mm -hmm. be because Mm -hmm. the vegetarian meals that I've made and that I've tried are amazing. Mm -hmm. They're so good. (laughs) And even vegan meals. I'm like, this is delicious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm totally, I go to many hipster coffee shops (laughs) that that have vegan, vegetarian, paleo, keto, every option you can imagine. And so I surround myself in that environment so it's definitely something I'd like to try one soon. Yeah, yeah I've been interested in being vegetarian. Um, and this book, like, maybe, you know, even more so. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's so hard because food is such, like, a cultural thing. Yeah. It's just ingrained. You're growing up and, like, I'm just imagining what my family's going to say. Like, are they going to be, like, make fun of me? Not, yeah. like, my parents. They'd probably, you know, be fine. But just, I don't know. Like, just imagine yeah. to be, like, no. why are you doing that? Like, it you don't want to eat this food real. Yes. This is going to make me bring up another book that I think you should read, the one called Eating Animals. Mm-hmm. Who's the author of that one? Yeah. Like, I'll Google it. That book is really good, and the author, he has gone back and forth basically his entire life from being a vegetarian and going back to eating meat, and mm-hmm. he talks a lot about the social and yeah. cultural and aspects of it. And he Jewish? Like, he talks yeah. a lot about being Jewish and the cultural... Mm like, barriers to not eating meat in mm-hmm. Jewish culture. Jonathan Se- Safran Four. I don't know how yeah. you pronounce his name. Eating Animals. You should oh, definitely really good. But it is yeah. very real. Like, my husband is Middle Eastern, and a big part of their cultural eating is meat. Like, mm-hmm. They, a lot of Middle Eastern countries have a lot of vegetarian option, but the one he's from does not. And their family was very confused when I went vegetarian. I got like a lot of pushback and it is very real. Like it's hard to be vegetarian in when we're having family events and there's nothing for me to eat except mm-hmm. for like rice. You know, you, yeah. you definitely <laughs> have to like plan ahead. Like I always make sure I eat something first just in case there's nothing for me to eat. It is mm-hmm. hard. It is. I liked how she talked about that because it is a really big part of environmental impact, like the factory farm industry. And a lot of people don't know that. Like yeah. when they think of a farm, they think of like, you know, where the cows are grazing. Yeah. Chickens, a few chickens walking around. But 
According to Ashley Piper in this book, she says 99% of all farm animals in the U.S. are raised on factory farms, Mm -hmm. which means they are crammed into these small spaces. They like don't have room to move around a lot of times they end up like dying while they're there or like the chickens wings will be broken or just like horrible horrible conditions and then from there they go to these slaughterhouses that again have terrible conditions sometimes they're still conscious when they're being plunked into scalding water or their throats are yeah and then it's also like really problematic for the workers who are a lot of times, like, refugees or marginalized people who end up being exploited because of that. Mm-hmm. And then they have, they are at higher risk for mental health issues, and then they become desensitized exactly. to killing and sometimes end up abusing the animals because of all the stress and the pressure. Mm-hmm. Like, the factory farm industry is a horrible, horrible industry that most people don't mm-hmm. know anything about. And so I like that she talked about that. And I was shocked. The one stat that I wrote down is when she said, I think it was on page 98, she said, animals create, the animals on factory farms create more greenhouse gas emissions than all mm-hmm. modes of world transportation combined. Mm-hmm. I was shocked by that. It's so much harmful gas and bacteria and even not even considering the greenhouse gases that they're emitting on the farms, like the poop lagoons thing oh, was gross. disgusting. So gross. And the fact that humans are getting ill yeah. from this. Like if you live going close into your waterways, like that's bad news. Oh my god. I So how does that like people use poop for manure, right? So what is the difference between us growing our food with Well but it's like I think she said that the amount you need for manure is so much less than the amount of poop because there's There's so so many many animals animals. that, like, the amount of waste they're creating is this huge amount compared to Mm -hmm. the amount you actually need for manure, I think. So it's just, like, overkill. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nowhere for it to go, I think. I had written down from... Right after that, page 100, that she also mentioned half of the land in the U.S. is for animal agriculture yes. and 20 to 33 percent of freshwater. And, and that's those were much bigger uh, numbers than I was expecting mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. So that was kind of shocking as well. Yeah. And that the grain, something else, what, what, what percentage of it? of the grain around worldwide is being fed to animals. And she yeah, made the comparison of like starving yeah, people. Yeah, all these children and communities in poverty, some of them that live within very close proximity to where these factory farms are and the animals are getting the nourishment and the humans are not. Mm-hmm. Like, that also was wild to me. I wondered if she was going to mention alcohol at all because when I went vegetarian, I did a lot of research on that too. And it turns out most wines and a lot of other forms of alcohol are not vegetarian. Like what? They have, really? I think the yeah. wine, there was this one ingredient called isinglass or something, and it comes from fish, like in, like fish insides. Really? And that apparently is in a really? lot of different, yeah, alcohols. I think oh the only gosh. vegan or maybe vegetarian in general, uh, alcohols are maybe bourbon and Vodka or something like that. I, I would remember. need to look it up. But there aren't that many that are actually animal product free. I have no that? idea. Yeah. yeah, I think that there was a lot that she didn't talk about that I would have been interested to like learn more about. Mm-hmm. She mentioned drinking wine in the book. Yeah, that's why I wondered if she was going to mention it and she didn't. Hmm. Huh. But maybe she's going to write a sequel. She, yeah. she's saving that. Yeah. <laughs> now I really want to look that up. It's yeah. Like, why? So, I feel like there's here so many it is. Hidden so, animal animal if you're listening, this <laughs> says um, virtually every brand of hard liquor is vegan bourbon, whiskey, vodka, gin, and rum. But wine and beer are typically not, unless, it's, unless they're marked or labeled as vegan. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely had wine what? then that wasn't vegetarian. <laughs> Sorry yeah, if I'm giving you wine that's not I vegetarian. Mean, that's knew? just one thing I've decided I'm not going to beat myself up about. Yeah. So. yeah. One of the big things that I feel the most guilty about 
is my shopping habit. Yeah. And she talked a lot about, like, how to be more sustainable in your closet and, like, how fast fashion is really bad for the planet. And she recommends, like, minimalism in your closet and and getting rid of a bunch of your clothes. And that's just so hard (laughs) for me to do. Like, I love shopping and I'm always buying stuff online. But it's true. Like, a lot of the stuff I buy, I hardly ever wear. And... I just feel mm. like I'm contributing to ruining the planet with my shopping habit. Mm. <laughs> so I need to try to follow some of her advice on that. For me, I really liked the part where she was talking about grocery shopping. And I mean, I already use reusable bags and I use reusable produce bags as well. But I feel that a lot of times I buy things and I realize, oh, I have it already. Yeah. Or I look in the fridge and I was like, oops, that mm-hmm. is bad. Yeah, and that's so bad. True. And that's bad. And there was one part in her book where she said to take a picture of your fridge and so that you I can like remember that. what mm-hmm. you bought. And as we were reading this book and I got to that section, I started as I was going to the grocery store writing down, making up just like two columns, but writing down all the things that I have already mm-hmm. and then writing things that I need. So I have a have a need so that then if I'm at the grocery store, I'm like, Ooh, I can make this. I'm like, Oh, well, I have this at home so I can do that. And it's really helped me reduce some of my throw outs. Yeah. That's, and that's that has been really helpful for me. I like that. It's a good mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Lauren, I noticed that you rated it a three out of five. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, I wanted to hear, like, someone who has a different opinion of it than I do. Because I rated it a five out of five. I think I've made it clear this book totally spoke to me. And, like, like I said, it's already kind of on the same wavelength as my lifestyle is. But Mm -hmm. I know that other people are not this crunchy, hippie, granola type person that I have <laughs> chosen to be. So I just wondered what are your, if you have criticisms of it or what is like a typical person who maybe isn't so extreme as I am think about it? I liked it and I liked all the ideas. Like I like the cleaning ideas because I'm trying to use like less harsh things, I guess, because everything obviously has chemicals, mm-hmm. but like just less harsh things, things that are nice for the cat and stuff like that. But the more I think about it, maybe it's like a 3.5, I would say. Because mm-hmm. I did like all of her ideas. I felt overwhelmed at times. Like yeah. there was just so much and then it made me feel super guilty for just yeah. like being alive and like going through my daily routine, which I didn't like. But that's also like the first step to change. Like, oh, yeah. I'm doing this wrong. So I can try to improve a little bit. That's a good point. That makes sense. Yeah. I get yeah. That. I was telling Lynn before book club that... I wished I had read this book earlier because I was kind of feeling guilty about how a lot of this stuff I wasn't doing like a year ago. But then I was also thinking like, well, a year ago, if I read this book, I might have just been really overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely think it was easier on like Lynn and me because we've started incorporating some of this into our lives already. But if it was something I hadn't done yet, I might have been like really Mm -hmm. overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and like, well... I don't even know where to start type thing. So I could definitely see that. I also rated it a 5 out of 5. I did as well. I did too. I love a good Oxford comma. And she (laughs) was Yeah, And so many people are against the Oxford comma. And I love the Oxford comma. Don't even get me started on the Oxford comma. We need to use the Oxford comma. It's It's too confusing without it. But in the very, like, first page I noticed her using them and I was like I already like her because she's using Oxford commas oh my god I'm so happy to know that we're all on the same page about the Oxford comma oh my god if you're listening to this and you don't use the Oxford comma you need to evaluate uh, your existence what are you doing doing with your life (laughs) I'm glad all of you agree with me Did anyone else have any other thoughts? I feel like I kind of monopolized a lot of the conversation. (laughs) I feel like this is a book that there's so many thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Which one to start with? I shared quite a few, but... (laughs) So I guess I'll say this. Going back to what Lee said about the fast fashion and shopping, that's something that I also need work on. And I have Amazon Prime. I just... That's 
how I live. I'm trying to be better about it. But I'm getting so angry with places like Amazon and other places that I online shop because I've been trying to do the no rush shipping now mm-hmm. to try mm-hmm. and be better about my purchases and having things come all in one box. And I just bought three things that I needed. It was things I couldn't get at the store. So, and that was something else she mentioned how, or no, I think I looked at this up online of what was worse for the environment, online shopping or shopping at actual stores. And it's kind of like the jury is still out depending on how far, like how many miles you're driving to get to the store versus um, a lot of times the online shipping routes when they drop them off they're already making that route anyway so sometimes it actually is better than going to the store depending on your gas and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but anyway so I did the no rush shipping and so all these three items were supposed to come in a week together and I still got they still sent it with one box came today and it wasn't supposed to come for another five days and it didn't come with the other two products Oh. So it's like they're not even following the no rush. Yeah. They even gave me the little like dollar digital thing or whatever yeah, for yeah. But it still came in a separate package and I'm like, what the hell? And they always put all this plastic yeah. wrapping in there. Like I ordered something from Target, which I love Target. It was like eyebrow liner, an eyebrow pencil or something. And they wrapped the eyebrow pencil in plastic. Yes. It was like in a baggie with a zip yes. tie. I was like, I'm who like, was why? trying to get into this my eyebrow so thing? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is so unnecessary. It's just like, whenever I'll be ordering like something vegan or something yes. like, you know, that's good for the environment. And then it comes in packaging either in like a big box for a tiny yep. item or with a bunch of plastic yeah. in it, or like they won't put it in the same box as other items that I ordered. And it's so annoying. How come some of these places don't have, like, the padded envelope type yeah. things that feels, yeah. like, less bad than yeah. the cardboard boxes? and then you can reuse them. Because, like, a bunch of makeup companies yeah. send me stuff. Like, ColourPop sends me stuff in, yes. like, a little... Yeah. Do they? Do they have boxes? No, they have padded envelopes Yeah, they don't stuff. have as nearly as much plastic, if any. Yeah. I feel like that's something that companies need to start working on is, like, yeah. sustainable packaging. Yes. Like, yes. can't they use, like biodegradable, like, bags or something. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, Ikea. Did you hear about what Ikea's no. doing? I just saw something about this. They're using, um, I think it's instead of styrofoam, some sort of mushroom Ooh. thing that oh. is, it's kind of looked like styrofoam in the picture, but some sort of packaging that's oh. made from mushrooms. Oh. So it's biodegradable. That's cool. Oh, that's and awesome. it's supposed there to be is... starting soonish, I think, that they're oh. using that, which cool. I did not know you could do that. I love that. It's cool. Yeah. I'm glad it was a good thing you said about Ikea. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, what? sorry. <laughs> I love Ikea. <laughs> I'm what company it was, but there was something I ordered. It was probably a few years ago, but it had those the, the little peas or mm-hmm. peanuts. There were mm-hmm. peanuts. Yeah, in it. the whole mm. thing was full of peanuts. Yes, yeah, styrofoam is bad. Biodegradable. Oh. oh, and you could put it. It was the coolest thing ever, and you could put it all in the sink. And, like, put the water what? over it, and it all just, like, disappeared. Oh, it was the coolest thing I've ever. I've never heard of that. Yeah. That's amazing. And I don't remember. It was, like, the coolest thing to watch ever. Awesome. It was great. That's really cool. I wish I could remember. Yeah, we you, need more of that. I'll have to, do, like, do a Google yeah. search on yeah. who uses biodegradable That's so peanuts. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool, though. I decided I'm going to try and maybe email some of these places and, like, let them know my concerns with mm-hmm. their packaging. And I'm also going to start going on Etsy more often because Mm -hmm. they're way Mm -hmm. more sustainable with their packaging. And then it's helping local, like, small business Mm -hmm. instead of big corporate million, Mm -hmm. billion dollar giants or whatever. So that's one of my also my kind of plans after reading the book. And a lot of them are making uh, reusable paper towels and napkins and stuff. I went on to look and just kind of scrolled through to see what all was on there. And there's a lot on there. So I'm Mm -hmm. probably going to purchase some of that as well. I think the only thing I wished there was more of in the book was I kind of wish she had made more recommendations of like actual products. Like what brand of like 
you know, yes. alternative to paper towels does she right. like and that type of yeah. thing. And, like, where can I get fair trade, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I wished maybe she had – I felt like her composting section was very brief, mm-hmm. and I was mm-hmm. hoping she would have talked more about, like, tips for if you're doing your own composting. I know she doesn't do her own composting, but I would have liked more information on, like, if I'm interested in doing my own composting, how does that work? What's a good bin to use yeah. and that type yeah. of thing? I agree. Um, but she does post on her Instagram, like, a lot of the specific mm-hmm. products that she uses. And then she has that whole section on her website, that yeah, little, black, the little black book. book. Mm-hmm. I haven't dived into that enough yet, but I, I skimmed it and saw she has a bunch of that stuff yeah. there. But it would have been nice if it was all in one place, especially because the recipes and stuff like that are already yeah. in the book. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice if it was kind of all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the only other thing that I guess I was kind of surprised about was that she didn't really talk a lot about recycling. Like, she recommended that you recycle, but I was surprised there wasn't more about how most things you recycle do yeah. not actually get recycled. Like, I feel like maybe she kind of made it seem like recycling um, works more mm. than it actually does. I don't know. I wonder... If maybe when she wrote the book, maybe it was different then. Because yeah, hasn't it been very recent that China's not taking some of our recyclables now oh. they were before? And I know the city I live in, I think within the last year, stopped taking, like, the only plastic they collect for recycling is bottles and jugs. And I'm not allowed to recycle oh my any gosh, of the really? plastic. Yeah, which sucks. <gasps> oh, But sometimes yeah. I'll just drop it off the city next to mine. You they have bins you can drop off. So sometimes I'll just collect them and drop them off there. But I'm wondering if maybe, I don't know, but you'd think that she would have known those things. I don't know. Hmm. I guess I don't know the timeline of when all that stuff started coming out. Any other thoughts about the book? Too many. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel like there's a lot we didn't talk about. There's just so many things that it covers, (laughs) but I think overall we recommend it. Yes, yeah, definitely. Has anyone been reading anything else? I have been reading. It's a book I've been reading for about a year, and I'm determined to finish this book <laughs> because <laughs> the problem with this book is it's one that in one chapter it's called How to Train a Wild Elephant, and I think I've mentioned this to you guys before I yeah, we yeah. started the podcast, but I went back to the book this month because I was like, self-help, I'm going to, my goal is to read a chapter every morning before I go to work. Sometimes it doesn't happen because I'm too tired. But I've read probably nine chapters this month. And yes. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So the reason why you're not supposed to read many chapters is because one chapter, they say, for this week, this is what your goal should be, you know? There are different yeah. meditations of things that you should do, how you should improve your life, you know? Whether it's pay attention to your left hand more, or <laughs> like, things that you're supposed to focus more on, you know? Like, smiling more or something, and leaving yourself notes of throughout the day or throughout the week, smile more, something like that. Um, but I really do like it. It's just one that you don't just sit down and read it mm-hmm. so then I forget about it and maybe by the next time we record the podcast I will be done <laughs> <laughs> but I do love it I really nice. do like it yeah I started reading Unladylike since our last Ooh, podcast yes. I'm not done by any means I'm only like 100 pages in but so far I'm really liking it yay I was inspired by that being one of the p- picks last time Cool. Nice. I'm reading Modern Herstory by Blair Amani. Lee gave this to Joe and me last I'm year. I'm also reading that. Oh, yes. cool. Yeah. I still haven't read it. I need to read it. I'm not very far, but it's um, a book with stories of women and non-binary people rewriting history. Just back, you know, throughout the history of America, people who, women and non-binary people who have been pretty much erased from our narrative of popular culture or whatever. Mm. Um, It's really good. I really like it. I agree. I've been reading a little bit of that. 
And I've also was inspired by an unwanted guest and have been um, listening to some Agatha Christie Ooh, books. Cool. So nice. I know I'm on my second one right now and uh, I've been enjoying this. <laughs> so is it time to pick our books for next time? Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. So it was Joe's genre pick this time. Yes, it was mine. I picked color as my theme, and I've been trying to just come up with um, something different because, as we mentioned before, we've read a lot of the genres of books that, you know, are normal genre picks. So I decided to try to do something different and chose color, and I gave everyone the option of choosing maybe a book that has a color in the title or an author that has a color as maybe their last name or something, or use color as like race relations or basically anything that they felt like they wanted to put in the category of color. So hopefully that didn't make it hard on you guys. I was hoping that you could have like a broad uh, amount of choices, I guess, to choose uh, from for this one. I chose the first one that I saw. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> so decisive. <laughs> I know. I thought I was like, okay, yep, yeah, that's it. Would you wow. pick? I chose the color purple. Oh. oh. I thought about that I one. I've seen it before and I saw it and I was like, you know what? Uh, I want to say it's a little heavy, like serious. Yeah, like, I almost, yeah. right? you almost I almost it picked good. it for the band books one because oh. that was on a bunch of band book lists. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's got okay. kind of a heavy, I think, topic, but that could be good for a discussion, mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to read it. Me, too. Do you want to read us the description? Sure. The Color Purple is a classic. With over a million copies sold in the UK alone, it is hailed as one of the all-time greats of literature, inspiring generations of readers. Set in a deep American South between the wars, it is a tale of Dealey, a young black girl born into poverty and segregation, raped repeatedly by a man she calls father. She has two children taken away from her, is separated from her beloved sister, Nettie, and is trapped into an ugly marriage. But then she meets the glamorous Shug Avery, singer and magic maker, a woman who has taken charge of her own destiny. Gradually, Celie discovers her power and joy of her own spirit, freeing her from her past and reuniting her with those she loves. And nice. that is it. The color purple. Good one. I guess I'm surprised none of us have read it. I know. Yeah. yeah. yeah I've never read it. When you said what the theme was, I was really excited because I had seen this book that I wanted to read and I just got it from the library and when you said what the theme was I was like oh I'm just gonna wait I mean I'm still gonna read it regardless but I was like this is perfect um it's called Red White and Royal Blue um it's by Casey McQuiston it actually won two categories on Goodreads 2019 best it's best debut and best romance which is (laughs) unusual for me to pick but it sounds really good um I'll read you guys the description So it says, a big-hearted romantic comedy in which the first son falls in love with the Prince of Wales after an incident of international proportions forces him to pretend to be best friends. So first son Alex Claremont Diaz is the closest thing to a prince this side of the Atlantic. With his intrepid sister and the Veep's genius granddaughter, they're the White House trio, a beautiful millennial marketing strategy for his mother, President Ellen Claremont. Yay, Lady President. (laughs) Um, International socialite duties do have downsides. Namely, when photos of a confrontation with his longtime nemesis, Prince Henry, at a royal wedding leaked to the tabloids and threatened American-British relations. The plan for damage control, staging a fake friendship between the first son and the prince. Alex is busy enough handling his mother's bloodthirsty opponents and his own political ambitions without an uptight royal slowing him down. But beneath Henry's Prince Charming veneer, there's a soft-hearted eccentric with a dry sense of humor and more than one and more than one ghost haunting him. As President Claremont kicks off her re-election bid, Alex finds himself hurtling into a secret relationship with Henry that could derail the campaign and upend two nations. And Henry throws everything into question for Alex, an impulsive, charming guy who thought he knew everything. What is worth the sacrifice? How do you do all the good you can do? And most importantly, how will history remember you? Ooh. Nice. I have a friend on Goodreads who rated it a four. Oh, so that's good. promising. Pretty good. Yeah. Oh, it's a 4.36. Nice. Goodreads, nice. So 
So I picked one that either one of us had picked or I almost picked it as my choice for when Marie had us do multicultural. Okay. The heads of the colored people. Oh, I don't remember that. Sorry, it's not the heads. It's just heads of the colored people. It must have been my, like, second pick that I didn't end up choosing that time. But it's been on my to-read list for a long time, so I didn't even look up any books. I just knew this was the one I wanted. It's by Nafisa Thompson Spires. The description says, Calling to mind the best works of Paul Beattie and Juno Diaz, This collection of moving, timely, and darkly funny stories examines the concept of black identity in this so-called post-racial era. A stunning new talent in literary fiction, Nafisa Thompson Spires grapples with black identity and the contemporary middle class in these compelling, boundary-pushing vignettes. Each captivating story plunges headfirst into the lives of new, utterly original characters. Some are darkly humorous, from two mothers exchanging snide remarks through notes in their kids' backpacks, to the young girl contemplating how to best notify her Facebook friends of her impending suicide, while others are devastatingly poignant. A new mother and funeral singer who is driven to madness with grief for the young black boys who have fallen victim to gun violence, or the teen who struggles between her upper middle class upbringing and her desire to fully connect with black culture. Thompson Spires fearlessly shines a light on the simmering tensions and precariousness of black citizenship. Her stories are exquisitely rendered, satirical, and captivating in turn, engaging in the ongoing conversations about race and identity politics, as well as the vulnerability of the black body. Boldly resisting categorization and easy answers, Nafisa Thompson Spires is an original and necessary voice in contemporary fiction. Sounds good. Mm Mm-hmm. I also picked the heads of the colored people, or heads of the colored It's rated a 4.14 out of 5 on Goodreads. Awesome. I had already marked that as one to read, so I wonder if you had talked about it, or if it was another book club pick, or It looks like you guys marked it to read within, like, two days of each other. Does it show that on Europe? I don't know. It says when you edit it. Oh, cool. Okay, so I chose a book called Landline. And uh, the author's Rainbow Rowell. Oh, and, I don't know. Um, yeah, and I... I don't know that. I read something else by this author. Oh, did you? I, I read Eleanor and Park that by was her. What, that yeah. was what I read, yeah. And I really liked that. And I have um, four Goodreads friends who all rated this as fours, and so I thought that that was a good option. So this says... Georgie McCool knows her marriage is in trouble. It has been in trouble for a long time. She still loves her husband, Neil, and Neil still loves her deeply. But that almost seems besides the point now. Maybe that was always beside the point. Two days before they're supposed to visit Neil's family in Omaha for Christmas, Georgie tells Neil that she can't go. She's a TV writer and something's come up on her show. She has to stay in Los Angeles. She knows that Neil will be upset with her. Neil is always a little upset with Georgie, but she doesn't expect him to pack up the kids and go home without her. When her husband and the kids leave for the airport, Georgie wonders if she's finally done it, if she's ruined everything. That night, Georgie discovers a way to communicate with Neil in the past. It's not time travel, not exactly, but she feels like it's been given an oppor- like she's been given an opportunity to fix her marriage before it starts. Is that what she's supposed to do, or would Georgie and Neil be better off if their marriage never happened? Is this one color-themed because the author's name? Yes. Okay, cool. (laughs) I went by author name. I actually had a bunch of options I was trying to decide between, but since I had so many um, Goodreads friends who liked that one, like, some of my other picks, there were, they weren't rated as high, I guess, by people I knew, so Mm -hmm. I decided to go with that one. You know, what's interesting is that two of my Goodreads friends rated this book and one of them rated it a one. Oh my gosh and the other one rated it a two ah, so i would be really interested to read this and to see what i think well that's really interesting but like the overall rating is a 3.55 yeah which wow. is pretty good yeah it's not quite as high as some of the ones i normally pick but now i'm really intrigued yeah, like I a know. one and a two is really bad <laughs> i but know as mine so i'm very intrigued by someone who rated your book her name's donalyn miller and she's an author mm-hmm. i read her books when i was in my undergrad mm-hmm. i trust everything that she says because she talks <laughs> like her whole career is all about books and she says 
you read it and tell me what genre you think it is. What did she rate oh. it? She rated it a four. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm curious what that means. I don't know. Well, on Goodreads, the genre says fiction, romance, contemporary, adult, and chiclet. Oh. I know, and I don't normally go for, like, a romance, just like you right. said, yeah. but but this one sounds like there's yeah. that time mm-hmm. travel-ish aspect, which... Did you already say that it won a Goodreads Choice Award? Oh, I didn't. It says that on mine. I really like the cover, too. Oh, yeah. I, I like the yeah. <laughs> I know her from Eleanor and Park, too, mm-hmm. and Fangirl. Mm-hmm. I haven't read them, but mm-hmm. I've heard of those books. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think all of these sound really good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have our wheel up, ready to go. So, are we ready? Yes. Wheel of books. (laughs) Here we go. It's spinning. And it's the color purple. Oh, yes. I don't think it's been my kids for a long time. It hasn't been yours for a while. (laughs) Yay. I'm excited. Me too. This being a classic, it's probably a good thing that we read this. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) We have an email address and an Instagram. Both of them are drinkabookpod. So drinkabookpod at Gmail and then drinkabookpod is our Instagram page. So stop by, um, follow us, maybe like some photos. I don't know. Maybe comment what you guys are reading or... Um, what you think our next genre would be, or give suggestions to us. That would be amazing. Um, and just, just say hi. Let us know who you are, what you're yeah. doing. If you have cats, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever floats your boat, you guys. Just just drop a line. Pictures so. of your cats? Yeah. 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 We love it. Tag us. Like, cats of Instagram, if you see something funny, let us know. We're <laughs> right into it. Okay, so to wrap up, we liked Give a Shit. We recommend it. If you haven't read that yet, we think you should. And for next time, read The Color Purple. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Here's to another book club. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.